Well, good morning again. Thanks so much for being here this morning. Uh, we're going to continue on this morning in our series called Greater Than. And what we're doing is as we move towards Easter, we're kind of hitting on a few things that we really believe that Jesus is greater than. And this series kind of has two goals, depending on sort of where you are in your faith journey. So if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christ follower this morning, my goal is just to sort of help you maybe see something from a different perspective or think about something in a new way, but also give you maybe an extra tool in your toolbox or something that helps you share the message of Jesus with somebody in your life as we move towards Easter. If you're not a Christ follower, uh, you're not somebody who would consider yourself a Christian, you're still trying to figure it out, whatever that looks like, we're just maybe trying to spend a couple minutes cleaning up some of the things that you may or may not understand about Christianity. Because what we've noticed is that there's a lot of things that sort of get lumped in with that idea of Christianity. And we've talked about a few of those things before. Sometimes when we think about Christianity or our faith in Jesus, we think about churches, like the actual buildings. We think about these old, beautiful cathedrals with these large paintings. Or we think about you know that place that we, uh, we had our wedding or we drive by or whatever that looks like. And, and we think about the buildings. We talked about that a little, a little while ago. Sometimes we think about the leaders. Maybe you, um, maybe you engage in service here this week, but really on Wednesdays you listen to your favorite pod, podcast pastor on the way to and from work or something like that. I, I do that because, believe it or not, my favorite pastor isn't me. So, so I listen to a couple people too, right? So we, sometimes we do that, but sometimes we, we think about that in, in the form of leader. So you know we're going to talk about that in a couple weeks. Next week we're going to talk about how sometimes Christianity gets intermixed a little too much with politics. So if you want to see my last Sunday, make sure you show up next week. And <laughs> yeah, um, and then we also spent some time talking about Scripture and how we really lean on and depend on Scripture, but we understand that Scripture is uh, a record of things that already happened, that God has done, and that God would have done those things whether or not they were written down or not. We have the benefit of reading about them but that whether or not we ever have another Bible in our hands again, Jesus still died on a cross for our sins. And that's really uh, an exciting thing to be able to worship and, and celebrate. So this is sort of where we're headed with this series. And this morning, we are going to talk a little bit about, I, I was kind of struggling figuring out how to talk about this, which was like the good things we do or good deeds or being nice, sort of, sort of that encompassed idea that Jesus is bigger than just the nice things that we do for other people. So this morning, what I want to do is, is I want to kind of start off with just sort of prodding you a little bit. I'm going to get you to turn to the person next to you, and we're going to have a quick little conversation. Uh, and so what we're going to do is, is we're going to talk about it. And, and I'd love to get some feedback, but I know that with an online audience as well as in uh, in-person uh, group here, that you know, shouting at the front, sometimes that doesn't translate well. So what we're going to do is actually James, uh, I'm, I'm going to test James now because I just remembered the one slide I didn't give him. So here we go. So James, can you create a slide with my cell phone number on it, which you have, and uh, we'll throw that up in a second. Okay, so what I'm going to do is we're gonna, I'm going to ask you a question. We're going to get you guys to interact a little bit with each other. And if you have a response, whether you're in person or you're at home, I just want you to text it to me just so that maybe we can have a couple of those ideas and I can share them. You don't feel like you need to. And if you really want to be a person that shouts out, I'm going to take the answer. 
but I'm going to give you the opportunity to give it to me digitally so that I can read a couple of them out. And remember, some, some people are sitting there going, I don't want to do that. He's going to know it's me. If you're not in my phone, which most of you aren't, it's just going to come up as a number. You're totally anonymous. You can point at somebody else and say it was them. Don't worry about it. It's going to be all right. So here's the question that I want you to answer. Ready? Why do you think Jesus performed miracles? We read a lot, and we're going to read a couple stories this morning, of a lot of miracles that Jesus performed. But what I want you to talk about this morning in a group for three or four minutes here sitting with the people beside you before you get distracted talking about the Leafs losing again or whatever is that, maybe that's one of the ones that, never mind, (laughs) is why did Jesus perform miracles? What was the purpose? Why did he actually do that? So turn to the person next to you. If you get an answer... There's going to be a phone number up on the screen, uh, I would imagine, at some point. You can text me that answer, and if I get some, great. And if not, hey, there we go. Uh, I'm just going to make it up. So you've got three or four minutes now. Uh, Go ahead, turn to the person next to you and answer the question, why do you think Jesus performed miracles? Go ahead. My phone is blowing up. This is exciting. As a millennial, this is great. The dopamine hits here are extraordinary. I'm feeling really great. I should really unmute this. There we go. Why did Jesus perform miracles? They're still coming in. My, uh, my table's just going to be rattling this whole time. This is good. Uh, let's see. What have we got? Uh, oh, gosh. Okay, you need to stop so I can read them now. Okay, no, it's okay. Uh, to show people that he was greater than the universe. To show his power and compassion and to glorify God. To show God's love and glory. For the gram. How old are you? Everybody under 20 knows what that means. Everybody older 20, don't worry about it. For the gram. I'm going to text you back. (laughs) Because I can. (sighs) To change our point of view. To restore people back to his original purpose for them. That's great. To reveal God's heart. And to show mercy. I, I don't even know. I don't think I need to preach anymore. To show, I should do this every week. Uh, showing that he can forgive sins. To show compassion, and mercy, and love for his people. To show his character because he wanted to help that person. Uh, deep compassion. To perform miracles to glorify the Heavenly Father. These are great. There's a lot more here. I'll make sure uh, I send these on uh, to Amy and we'll get some of these on social media this week for sure. A lot of great... Uh, a lot of really great answers there. So what we're going to do is we're going to take some of those answers as a base, and we're going to work through very quickly this morning, not one, not two, but three of Jesus' miracles. So this morning's going to kind of be like a, it's going to be kind of a quick run through. The hope is that maybe at home this week, you'll take some time to run back through these stories. Uh, you can maybe do them with your kids or your family. You can dig into them a little bit more. I'm not going to do a deep exegesis of each one this week. We're just going to talk a little bit about each one and their themes, uh, and then sort of land, hopefully, where we're going to end up landing. So the first story is Jesus uh, healing the man with leprosy, and this is found in Mark chapter 1. So that's going to be up on the screen here. It says, A man with leprosy came to him, him being Jesus, and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. 
See that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he, the man who was healed, went went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Okay, so we're going to break these down in three things. The first one is we're just going to talk about the miracle first. So the miracle in this story is that, of course, Jesus healed the man from leprosy, right? That's the miracle here in this story. A very painful disease, very uh, visual one, one that made people be outcast, sit on the outside, be not part of society. And Jesus healed this person from leprosy. And I think the purpose of this one truly, as we've seen in a lot of it, uh, these different uh, answers that I saw on my phone, uh, was to show compassion. Often when we see a lot of stories that we have of Jesus' miracles, he's not going out looking for something to do. People are searching him out and he's hearing their stories and feeling that hurt or that sadness or that need for him and he's being compassionate towards that person and loving towards that person, and so he does what he needs to do to make that person whole. And he gives this person a special instruction, and he says, don't tell anybody about it. And I love this instruction. He says, go to the temple, and we've talked a little bit in the last few weeks about Jewish law and and the things that you needed to do, and if you're familiar with your Old Testament, you know that there are certain things that Jews needed to do to be ceremonially clean and to worship at the temple. So Jesus says, go and do those things, but please don't just tell everybody else. Because Jesus knows that the more this sort of thing gets out, the harder it is for him to actually going to be able to do his job, which is to come into places and teach about God and point everything that's happening to not only God the Father, but to, uh, to him coming through and fulfilling all the prophecies. And what does the guy do? He immediately tells everybody. I think it would be one of those things that would be very hard to keep to yourself. And as a result, it says here that uh, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places, yet the people still came to him from anywhere. Which is interesting because sometimes, and I've had conversations with people like this, when we think about Jesus' miracles, we don't necessarily think of it like as a show-off moment. But, you know, some people's answers, and some of this is certainly true, the ability to show God's power and how it can work in the world. But the payoff to that is it actually made it harder for Jesus to do his job. The more that he tried to, or the more that other people sort of draped glory on the acts or the good deed or the thing that was actually accomplished, the more it actually took away from the purpose of that miracle or the purpose of that good deed or action. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in a second too. It's just really interesting. So actually the more people that found out and the more that that story got told in a way that wasn't exactly how it was intended, the less helpful that story actually was, which I found interesting. Here's our second parable, Jesus healing a blind man uh, who was born blind. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man, the man who was blind, or his parents, that he was born blind? So this is interesting. So the question is, this man was clearly born blind because either he sinned or his parents did. So what I'm asking you, Jesus, is which one is it? It's really interesting. 
Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground. Somebody's calling me with an answer? That's bold, but I'm not going to do it. Uh, after, <laughs> that's funny, though. Um, decline. Uh, after, say, after saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it in the man's eyes. Go, he told them, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and, became, uh, and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had form, uh, formerly seen him begged, asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him, but the man himself said, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. They replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to the Siloam and wash, and so I went and washed, and then I could see. So the miracle here is the healing of somebody who is blind from birth. And now this purpose is twofold. This is really interesting. The first one is a display of God's power. So we talked about that. I got a bunch of text messages about that, right? That God actually has the power to heal. That's a really important theme in every one of Jesus' miracles. But this one has a secondary theme as well, which I think is really interesting, which is sickness isn't always related to personal sin. Now, there's like a whole sermon series just in that statement. And maybe you can go home and have a conversation about what you think about that and how that works. But Jesus said, it wasn't you that sinned and it wasn't your parents. We just live in a fallen world. And as we live in a world that is full of sin and that has fallen away from what it was intended to, sometimes things happen that weren't intended and that aren't good for you. And so not only does Jesus show his power, but he also actually teaches a little bit about how the world works. I think that's really interesting and maybe something that you should dig into this week in a conversation around a table. And the special instruction in this one is for him to go wash at the pool. So again, we, we could do a whole bunch of time on this, but they ask him to go wash in this pool of Siloam. And it's this very uh, uh, famous uh, area. Um, it was discovered actually very recently in August 2005. Archaeologically, it was dug up and they were able to finally see how big it was. It was an area where people would gather um, they would bathe, they would talk, they would wash, uh, they would drink from it as well. There's some really cool like aqueducts and stuff that come in and out. Go look it up if, if you're nerdy about that stuff. It's really, really neat. But he gives a, a special instruction because he goes to this pool and he washes and who's at the pool? Everybody. <laughs> There's a lot of people that are there. And so immediately they're going to be able to see, wow, this person was healed. Hey, how did that happen? And they can tell the story of how Jesus had compassion and love and the power to heal them. Very cool. The last one here we're going to go through quickly. I told you we're going to race through some. It's from Matthew 9. It's Jesus raising the ruler's daughter from the dead. While he was saying this, a synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, him being Jesus, my daughter has just died. But come put your hand on her, and she will live. So Jesus got up and went with him, and so did his disciples. Just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. 
She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith was healed in you. And the woman was healed in that moment. When Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house, they saw the noisy crowd and the people playing pipes. He said, go away. Go away to the crowd. Go away. The girl is not dead, but sleeping. But they laughed at him. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took the girl by the hand. She got up. News of this spread throughout all the region. So what's the miracle here? Well, there's two. First is bringing a dead girl to life, right? Jesus is greater than death. We're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. This is what the whole Easter season is all about. This is the big celebration. Jesus is greater than death. And there's a few instances in the Gospels where we see that. And so this is just the one I chose. But this is Jesus teaching people where this is a big, God isn't, this isn't the God, this isn't the, the idols that you worship. This isn't something out there that you think this is real. This is the God that you should be putting your faith into because this is a God who even has power over death. That's a powerful, powerful message. And the second one is the healing of the woman who's bleeding. Now, this is an interesting one, too, because here we're talking about um, that faith, even to just touch the cloak, (laughs) is enough to heal. Jesus is teaching here that you don't, like, you, you don't, the amount of faith that it takes, you, you have the power in you to have the faith in Jesus that is needed for Jesus to begin to work in your life. And Jesus turns and looks and says, you are healed because of your faith. That's so cool. That's such a great message um, and a great purpose. And what is Jesus' instruction here again? His special instruction is tell the crowd to go away. This isn't a show-off moment. I'm not trying to show everybody and and make this a big spectacle. This isn't a magic act. This is compassion and love in action. And this is interesting in the world that we live in right now because we've all seen the YouTube videos of whoever our favorite or not favorite YouTube video or uh, creator is or, or maybe something comes up on a feed. But we've all seen a video where somebody has compassion for somebody but they do it, this is the tie-in, for the gram. They do it so that they can just record it and put it on the internet and get views. How many people do we know that do that, right? You, you walk up to a homeless people, we've seen these videos all the time, and they give them $100 or $200 or $300 or $1,000 or $10,000 one person does all the time. And says here, and like these people are flabbergasted, they don't know what to do, but then there's a camera in their face going, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Can we follow you around? Can we, can we do this? Can we do that? And they make video content and they put it online. And it's this conversation of there's the love and compassion there, but that is not how Jesus taught us to be loving and compassionate. I've had debates before and a little bit of fun with people, uh, you know, sitting with guys that you know, went to Bible college with and whatever that looked like. And we've kind of talked about when a church does something good, should we be posting it on social media? (laughs) Should we be making posters? Should we be putting it in announcements? Should we be putting it in email? Because the part of it is it's important that people know so they get excited and motivated to keep doing it. But at one point, are we looking and going, hey, look at this great stuff we're doing? Because that's not actually how Jesus showed his love and compassion through his miracles. He actually went out of his way very often to make sure that while he was doing that, it was personal. And it wasn't a show. 
really interesting, right? Jesus did everything, even the things that were miraculous, for a purpose. He, he had the purpose of showing love and compassion, showing God's power and authority, showing people that although the world has fallen, they don't need to be. Showing us that God's power really does rest here on earth with us each and every day. And showing us that the most final thing that we encounter, the the one thing that we all look at as the end, death, we know that Jesus can overcome that too. What, What didn't the miracles accomplish? They weren't a look at me. They weren't a, hey, check me out. Hey, watch. They had a purpose and and Jesus knows that these things are going to get out. But he does his best to make sure that in the moment there's love and compassion there. Because Jesus knows that the purpose of the miracles are so much greater than just the act. Just the good deed. Just being nice or being a good person or helping somebody out. He knows that that's bigger than that. Jesus' love, Jesus' power, Jesus' compassion is greater than any one act, public or private. Because it's inside of us. It's the Holy Spirit filling us that leads us to do something for somebody else that calls us out. So here's a couple of just challenge questions that we can think about this week. Um, The first is, I guess, this whole concept. and, And this works whether you're a person who's been following Jesus for a long time or you're still figuring it out. When you think about the stories that you hear about Jesus and his miracles, how do you tell those stories? When you, when you lead into a story, when you're sitting at bedtime with your kids, or when you're sitting at the dinner table with your spouse of 40 years, or when you're sitting with a group of friends who are telling you about Jesus for the first time, what's the focus on when we talk about miracles? Is it the act and the wonder and the power of that deed? Or do we talk about the deeper purpose and the meaning and what Jesus is actually trying to teach us? And my challenge for you is that hopefully it's the second one. If it's the first one, it's good, but we're missing it. We're missing that deepness in the gospel and the message and what Jesus was really trying to do. And then the second challenge is, is just uh, when we act, when we do good things in the name of Jesus, how are we presenting ourselves? Are we making sure people see us? Are we making sure we're noticed? Or are we being loving and compassionate in the way that Jesus calls us to be, but also in a way that he led us to be, which is a way of humility? So there's a lot here this morning. So I flew through a bunch of stuff, but hopefully that allows you to kind of go back this week, maybe reread these parables again. Try to pick something else new. Or sorry, these miracles again. Uh, Pick something else new. Maybe read a couple different ones. Search for those themes. Search for the purpose. See what Jesus is really trying to teach the people there and us that we get to read it after about. Because Jesus is so much greater than just an act or a good deed. Because God came to send Jesus to die, not just as an act or a good deed, but so that we could have eternal life and live with him forever. And let's just make sure we don't miss Amen? Okay, let's pray together. God, thanks so much for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to worship, to learn. And Lord, thank you for Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and Paul and Peter and James and 
all of the authors of the New Testament and all of these people that spent time and effort to make sure that they wrote down the things that you did so that we could look back and still learn from them. And Lord, our prayer this morning is that we just make sure as we read those stories and as we review what you did and as we try to dig in that that we wouldn't miss the point. That we would see the purpose in the things that you did. That we would be able to understand what you're teaching us both so that we could grow in faith but also so that we could tell other people about what you did on the cross as well. In Jesus' name, amen.